and a family who went to a foreign country to adopt a child. And it was the law in that country that every single relative of that child had to say that they did not want him in order for the child to be adopted. And so this adoptive family stood with the boy standing in front of him before the entire village as one by one each of those relatives came up and said we do not want the boy. Those adoptive parents said well we want him and so they took him and brought him made him their son. What we've been studying in Galatians is exactly that. What you need to understand this morning is though you have been rejected, despised perhaps by the world, and all of your gods have failed you. There is one who still wants you, and there is one who loves you. That is our Heavenly Father. And He has made it His not only goal, but His mission to save you and to make you His child. This morning we will be looking at Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 through chapter 4, verse 7. And we will talk about the fact that you are no longer slaves, but you have been made free. I'll begin reading in verse 27. For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. And the same way we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to completion, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. God has made you an heir. Last week, Paul told us that the law was added because of transgression. When you look in the Old Testament and you see all the laws, as the children of Israel leave Egypt, they come to the mountain and God gives them ten laws. And after those ten, He gives them more laws, and He gives them more laws, and He gives them more laws. And you may read this and you think it's restrictive, maybe it's oppressive. God has given all these laws. Why is He being so strict and stringent upon the children of Israel? Paul says it's because of transgressions. Not because of the capriciousness of God or because he wants to just be a stern parent who has a million rules, 613 in fact, for them to follow. He gave them the law to save them. The law couldn't save them itself. It could not. The law never led anyone to salvation. But he gave these rules to Israel so that they would know why they need grace. Every time they broke a rule, he had to make another rule. You may have noticed this. We have to do this in our society too. We have a lot of litigation. We have a lot of people suing other people. 
and you might pull out your uh, Pop-Tart to eat in the morning, you may notice on the wrapper it says, remove from wrapper before inserting into toaster. When you see something like that, let me guarantee you, the reason that that is on that wrapper is because somebody did something stupid and they put that thing in the toaster in the wrapper and it probably caught on fire, probably burnt part of their kitchen, they probably sued Pop-Tarts. And Pop-Tarts had to start putting a warning on there. Hey, take this thing out of the wrapper before you put it in your toaster. This is why God gave the law. When you go back and you read those laws and they look so silly and so stupid and so constrictive and like don't marry your aunt. Why did he put that? Somebody was trying to marry their aunt. That's what God had to add the law. The law was given for transgression. Like, if I don't tell them every single thing, they're going to continue to sin. So the law came not because it was okay to marry your aunt before the law came, but because he had to tell them that to stop. Cain was condemned as a murderer long before the Bible ever said, Thou shalt not kill. And so God was giving them the law to reveal holiness because they didn't have a clue. The law couldn't save them. The law was there to let them know, you're messed up. You shouldn't do these things. And so as you go through and you read the book of Exodus, and you begin to read the book of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and you see all these laws after law, God, everything about the law was to keep them conscious of God all the days of their life. And to let them know that they needed His mercy in order to live. That is the point of the law. Even today, the law can help us to understand where we fall short of the glory of God, but it cannot save us. It cannot help us. We are no longer under the law in the sense that it doesn't condemn us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but it can make us aware of where we fail in holiness. We are set free from the condemnation of the law because of the new covenant which Christ ushered in in His death, where He put to death the law on our behalf. His death and His resurrection save us and make us one. One thing we need to notice this morning is that we are all one in Christ. Look at verses 27 and 28 of chapter 3. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free or male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. You have put on Christ like a garment. You have been clothed in Jesus we say this often that when, Christ, when the Lord looks at us, He sees the righteousness of Christ. You have been clothed with Christ like a garment. Christ covers you. So God does not see you as lawbreaker. He sees you as lawkeeper. He doesn't see you as sinner. He sees you as sinless because you have been clothed in Christ like a garment. He envelops you. And that is true for every single person in here who puts their trust in Christ, whether male or female, slave or free, American or Haitian. It doesn't make any difference. We are all one in Christ. And what Paul says here is very radical. Remember early in Galatians, these Judaizers are going around telling people, you've got to be circumcised in order to be saved. You've got to become like us Jews. You've got to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. They are erecting a dividing barrier between the Jews and everyone else, the Jews and the Gentiles. Peter had pulled away from eating with the Gentiles because of this teaching. The unity that was theirs in Christ was being destroyed through the erecting of the dividing barrier of the law. In the old days in the temple, it was like this. 
in the outer court, the Gentiles could come in, but it was only far from the Holy of Holies. They couldn't go any further than the outer court. In fact, in the old days, they used to have stones stacked up at the edge of the court of the Gentiles. And the reason those stones were there, because if you went past the dividing wall, they would kill you. On pain of death, Gentile, would you enter in. And beyond that, the Jewish women, they could go into the court of women. They could go a little closer than the Gentile people. But they couldn't go beyond that on pain of death. And then there was another step where the men of Israel could go. And then beyond that, there was a place only the priests could go. And then inside the very holy of holies, only the high priest could go. And he could only go once a year. So it was divided. High priests, priests, men, women, Gentiles. And what Paul is saying here is referring to that separation. He says there is no more Jew and Greek. There is no more male and female. Every single person can walk right into the presence of God, into the most holy place, for the veil of the temple has been rent from top to bottom by God himself, and the Holy Spirit in the presence of God is available to all of his children. This is what Paul means here when he says, God has given to us the Holy Spirit by which we call out Abba, Father. This, of course, does not mean that there are no more men or women or Greeks. The Greeks will be quick to tell you that they are still Greek. It means that there is no division with regard to our presence of God. We can go right in. We are not different with regard to the right of adoption. With regard to the promises of inheritance made to Abraham by God, there is no distinction. We receive them as Gentiles, as Americans, as men, as women... As white people, as black people, it makes no difference. We are all one in Christ. No longer is God going to work salvation history primarily through one people group. That would be Israel. No, the gospel has gone international now. It is not American. It's not an American gospel. It is a gospel for the world. And it will be that way forever. This is how God is working now. Because the old covenant is abolished and the new has come. Brothers and sisters, I will tell you what we are. We are Abraham's promised children. When God took Abraham outside and he said, Look at the stars of the sky and count them if you can. can, So shall your inheritance be. We are the stars in Abraham's sky. And we come from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. We are his children. There is no more Jew or Greek. Abraham is your father. And every promise that God made to him and to his family is yours in Christ Jesus. Every single one. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We are the ones that Abraham couldn't count. Count them if you are able. They will be like the stars in the sky and like the sands in the desert. Count it if you're able. Millions of us, billions around the world worshiping the Lord as inheritors of the promise of God as children of Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham saw the day of Jesus and he rejoiced. He saw our day too. We are his children. We will sit at his table. We will drink from the same cup. There is no distinction. doesn't matter if it's Jew or Greek or slave or free. And this is why it was so terrible what the Judaizers were doing. They were setting up separation between them that no longer applied. 
The law was gone. The barrier was broken. The veil was torn. I want to remind you in Genesis when Adam and Eve fell, that God set a cherubim there to guard the way from the garden and he had a flaming sword in his hand which turned every which way to keep people from coming in. No longer could they go into the garden. And when the temple was made, the curtain that separated the holy place from the rest of the temple, the curtain in that curtain was sewn. Pictures of cherubim with flaming swords. And when Jesus died, the veil was torn from top to bottom. There's no more separation, brothers and sisters. We are welcome into the holy place. Once again, we will walk the Garden of Eden. Once again, the Father will meet us in the cool of the day. And I want you to see, too, that God always planned to set us free. You need to understand that your freedom in Christ, your sonship, your daughtership being made one with Christ, whether you are Jew or Greek or slave or free or wherever you are from, this freedom is not an afterthought. It is not a last-ditch effort to make something good out of total disaster. God was never going to let you perish in your sin. Never going to let you perish. Think about that for a moment. It is true that we were all once in rebellion against God. It is true that we were all against God and wanted nothing to do with Him. It is true that we were once all enslaved to our sin and under the control of the devil and the principles of this world. All of this is true, but God was never going to let you perish. You were in His heart. He loved you as dear children, and He was going to save you. He did not simply intervene in your life at the last moment by chance. Nothing was left to chance. He set into action the rescue mission that would save you from the foundation of the world. There was never a moment's doubt in the Father's mind whether or not you would be His child. No matter what has happened or will happen, you are His and He loves you with an everlasting love that will never fail and He will continue to deliver you for the rest of your life. He will show you His mercy through Christ and nothing will stop Him. Nothing will stop Him from loving you. The Bible says here in verse 4, When time came to completion, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. He doesn't say to try to redeem them. He says to redeem them. So that we might receive adoption as sons. God has come in Jesus Christ to save us and rescue us from our sin. Not to try, but to rescue. When we are converted in due time, when the Father sends the Spirit into our heart to convict us, to confront us of who we are, when He says, wake up and we see the face of Christ, that is happening in due time. He does it through the power of His gospel. And He shows us the face of Jesus. And we love Him. And He has known that that would happen from the foundation of the world. You are his beloved children. He loves you like a father loves his only son. He will never let you go. Never. The devil cannot snatch you away. The principles of this world cannot snatch you away. God has set you free. And when you are faithless, he is faithful. He loves you. 
It is a love that will never let you go. You are his children. He has put his name on you. When God speaks, understand, he is the king. When he speaks and says a thing, it is true. And when he says, you are my son, nothing can change the command of God. That makes you a child. You are my daughter, and I love you. Nothing will ever change it. God did not send Jesus into the world hoping he might save some people. He sent him into the world to save people. And he did it. And he's doing it every single day. God always planned to set us free from our sin. God plans to set us free from death. God plans to set us free from this world of dying. He's going to give us new bodies. He's going to give us forever homes. And we will never leave his presence again. All of these things are going to happen. It is not a doubt in God's mind. He is going to set us free in every way we can be made free. He is going to give us joy to the fullest. That is not only the plan of God, but it is fact because he is God. We are one in Christ. There is no distinction. There is no greater and lesser in the kingdom of heaven. There is no distinction between male and female. Every single one of us, one in Christ, every race, every ethnicity, every one of us image bearers of the king. From the least to the greatest. This is how the kingdom of God is. So God has always planned to set us free and he has made us children of God. God has sent the Holy Spirit into your heart to remind you and to tell you and to encourage you that you are indeed His child. The Bible says here that as the Spirit of God goes into our heart in verse 6, that our hearts cry out, Abba, Father. Abba just means Father. That we know we have God for a Father because the Holy Spirit of God reminds us. No matter what has happened or what will happen, He loves you with an everlasting love. The Spirit of God will remind you of this. Even when you sin and He is grieved, you feel the grief of the Holy Spirit, so you won't do that again. Think about the signs and the wonders that people of the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints used to get to see. Remember Gideon. Gideon and his 300, right? What was Gideon's sign? He said, Lord, I'm going to put this fleece on the ground. There's dew on it in the morning, but there's not dew anywhere else. I'll know you're with me. So he gets up, and there's dew on the, gar- the fleece. No dew on the ground. And he says, what? Okay, wait, that could have been coincidence. So tomorrow, I'm going to put the fleece on the ground. I don't want any dew on the fleece, but dew on the ground. How about that? Next morning he gets up, there's no dew on the grease, fleece. There is dew on the ground. Finally, he goes to... Fight the battle, he has a bunch of men, and God makes him win thousands down to 300. That was a sign that Gideon got, the fleece. Some of you think it'd be nice to have a fleece. Maybe I could throw out the fleece before the Lord. That's because we're silly children. Abraham had a vision of God walking between the carcasses. Remember in Genesis 15 when he divided those carcasses and God walked between them, but Abraham didn't, and he saw God as a fiery smoking pot and a flaming torch and the Lord said surely your children will go into captivity for 400 years but I will bring them up out of there and I will establish them as a nation I will make them a people God gave him a sign gave him a vision gave him a dream you might wish you could have a dream Joseph had dreams God spoke to him through dreams Moses got a burning bush you might wish you had a burning bush 
Daniel got visits from angels. But not a single one of those things that those people got compare in their wildest imagination to what you have been given. You've been given God himself. The sign for our salvation is not burning bushes. It's not fleeces. It's not dreams and visions like Daniel got. The Holy Spirit, God Almighty, takes up residence in your heart as if you are a temple of God and says to you and whispers to you day and night, you are beloved of God. That is a sign that Abraham could not have imagined, that you have been made the temple. Imagine Uzzah walking beside the Ark of the Covenant of God, too holy to be touched. The ox stumbles. He puts his hand on it. God kills him. And this spirit lives in you. You are holy to the Lord, set apart a people, a priesthood, kings and queens of God. They couldn't dream of such things. This is what you've been given. Why would we ever return to the law? How could we do that? It's because we don't understand what we've been given. Whose we are, what we are. Inheritors of a promise. The Bible says the prophets long to look into these days. The angels are mesmerized by the fact that the Holy One of God lives in you. Isaiah walked into the temple. The angels cried, holy, 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 and the temple shook. And the place was filled with the smoke of his presence. That's you, your heart, this church filled with the Spirit of God. The veil of the temple torn, the Spirit of God going into the world to live in the people of God. The law was a tutor. The law was a guardian. The law was to keep children straight until they should inherit the promise. Until the Father could grow them up, put the crown on their heads, put them on the throne. This is where you are. You live in these times. You have been given the commission not only as subjects, but as friends of the king, as inheritors of the kingdom, to offer this kingdom to others. Your kings. This is the privilege we have as children under the new covenant. No greater sign can be given. There's no greater honor, no more wonderful assurance, no more grace that can be given that when a sinner falls on their knees and cries out to the Lord that he fills that sinner with the spirit of the living God. Amazing. Some of the king, one of the kings of Israel tried to offer incense that was forbidden because he was not a priest and God withered him with leprosy for the rest of his life. Israel was defeated in battle and the Ark of the Covenant went into captivity with the Philistines. They sent it back and when it went to the village, the people looked in and thousands were killed that day because the holy Ark of God was violated. You, you carry this spirit. You are the Ark of God carrying salvation in the world. And I don't mean just you, but you, y'all, plural. We are the ark of God. The church carries the spirit. We are holy to the Lord. Nothing else matches this priceless gift as having the Holy Spirit as a companion. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, it is better for you that I go away. 
because I'm going to send to you an advocate, a comforter. He will be with you always. He will remind you of all that I've said. He will convict the world of truth and righteousness and judgment to come. This is a gift we've been given. This is how we are one in Christ. That is why. This is why to despise a brother and sister by race, by gender, is an insult to God and the spirit whom they bring. God has made no distinction, nor should we. We are one in Christ. Abraham's children, we all have jobs to do. And your freedom and this glory that, I, that you're being called to, this glory that you are being fit for, this glory you're being made for, this is something that God has always had for you. He is making you this. And we haven't even seen the end of it yet. It keeps getting better. We are free. We are free in Christ. We are kings. And you are children of God. Children of God. He loves you. You are beloved to Him. His thoughts are upon you. Every single thing that He does, He does for your good and not for your harm. He is raising you up as beloved sons and daughters so that you will shine like stars in the sky. You are the apple of His eye. He sent His Son. How do we know how much He loves us? He sent Jesus. Gave Him to us. And though we tortured and killed Him, He raised Him from the dead and He still gives Him to us. <laughs> He's yours. There's nothing more He can give. The Father is very creative. It's beautiful, all that He has made. The world, the stars, the universe, and everything in it. He can't give you anything better than Jesus. With all the beauty and all the wonder and all the riches and all the power and all the fame and everything you can see in the world, He cannot give you anything better than Jesus. There is nothing greater than that. He has no more that He can give you. Do you understand? His love for you, His promises for you. Now we walk in the valley of the shadow of death and we see through the glass darkly and we live in a world of pain and sin. But God is shepherding us through it. And one day we will wake up on the other side as children of the King. We've been on a long journey, but we will be refreshed by our Father. He will call us to our house. He will feed us from his table. He will say, these are my sons. These are my daughters in whom I am well pleased. They may enter the joy of their father. Persevere. Do not measure yourself by law. Measure yourself by the love of God for you. You are kings and queens. Let's pray.